0: Well, I'm not used to having uh, video issues, usually audio issues, but it was video issues today, but that's okay, that's okay, we're we're doing okay. Uh, welcome to episode 23, 24, episode 24 of Break the Cycle, I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. Uh, I am having a pretty decent day today, so I'm glad you're here to hang out with me. Uh, we got a great show for you today, but let's start off, with, as per the usual, with some great sponsors, Lorenzotti.coffee, for all your delicious Italian coffee needs, delivered directly to your door, bring the taste of Italy home, delicious stuff. Lorenzotti is the man. I mean, the, 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 the people who run this coffee uh, uh, company are amazing. Please buy their coffee. J- just try it. Try one can. You're going to enjoy it. And uh, and use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Of course, TopLobster.com. is Top lo- Top the man for all of your wonderful graphic needs. Like this great Ron Paul It Didn't Have to Be This Way hoodie that I'm wearing tonight that you can order on TopLobster.com using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And, of course, AnthemPlanning.com uh, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. These people are wonderful. I say it every show. Amy Lepore is amazing. Please use them for your business. If you need some kind of crisis management, they're amazing. Uh, They're much better than the government and probably much cheaper, I'm pretty sure. So anyways, uh, again, we got a pretty good show for you tonight. Uh, I have a a wonderful friend of mine, somebody who's become my friend over the last several years. He uh, is the host of the Clean Libertarian podcast. He's a recovering addict. Uh, working against the drug war. His name is Drew Cook. How you doing today, Drew? Hey, doing great. Glad to be here, Josh. Thanks a lot for having me, buddy. Hell yeah, man. I'm glad to have you here too. It, it was just it seems like just a couple months ago I was on your show. I <laughs> know, right? Yeah, yeah. We were right there, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. And 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 I, you know, I just gotta say I really appreciate everything you're doing, man. Like I, I think you're doing you have a good niche because you are a libertarian, but you're coming from the point of view in which you're speaking about this this recovery road and how the the drug war is harming recovery in general. And so it's, it's something that's needed in this movement. It's something that we don't really hear a lot about on podcasts, so I'm hoping that everybody's gonna go and, and subscribe to your podcast after the show's over and listen to a couple episodes here and there. I know you've done some great episodes uh, with great people who have really awesome stories about recovery and, and libertarianism. So, um, but anyways, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you, um, you know, got to where you are today, man? Yeah. So I
1: guess like, you know, like you were saying, everybody's got their niche. You guys, especially in the Mises crowd, like you guys are great on economics and, and, you know, a lot of things that I can't comprehend. uh, what I do know about is using a shitload of drugs (laughs) and getting clean. That's like my spot. Right. So like, uh, for a good long while, I prided myself as being like a walking Wikipedia of all things, narcotics, you know, um, in for various lengths of time in my life, you know, uh, just kind of ran down this road. Um, couldn't stop using things got really dark. Like it was a fun, it was like I was a weekend warrior and then it was like an everyday type of thing. And then it was fun up until it wasn't. And you know, once it stopped being fun uh, at the end of it, man, I, I'd lost my kid. I had pretty much lost Everything in my life, everything, even the will to live, you know, to a certain degree and uh, caught a couple of felony convictions. And, you know, when I came out the other side of it. <clears throat> basically went through detox several times. Uh, I'm a five-time graduate of the local detox.
0: Within. Congratulations. That's a lot of degrees. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, pride myself on that. I'm, I'm like, you know, the alumni <laughs> up there. They used to have a parking spot just for me. Just kidding. I didn't have a car. Um, but, you know, like they would, they just knew me. You know, the people in the recovery, community knew me and like, um, you, you've been to meetings, you know, like when you show up, you get, and you're like, I want to get sober. Like they give you a 24 hour, you know, coin or sure. a chip or something. And then everybody will clap and be like, you know, Hey, cool. Well, I, I got so many of those. They stopped clapping.
0: <laughs> like, you're
1: like, Oh great. Another one. Huh, buddy.
0: Another one.
1: <laughs> At one point, no shit. At one point they said, Hey, can you bring some of those back? Those are kind of expensive. We need them for the new guys. <laughs> so I was that retread man. I just couldn't fucking figure it out, but I did keep showing up and eventually it stuck. Right. And, and what stuck to me was that even though I was this like person who just couldn't grasp how to be a uh, normal functioning adult in society, these people talked to me like I was a, a human. They were the only ones in my day during that time who would treat me like I was a human. Uh, There was one guy in particular who like pulled me aside and was like, hey, man, when's the last time you ate? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I've been a minute. And uh, he took me out to lunch, sat down and just like asked me about my day. He wasn't beating me over the head with a whole bunch of, you know, uh, fire and brimstone and judgment and condemnation. He was just literally wanting to know how I was doing paid for my meal. And even when we were done, he like ordered an extra sandwich for me to take home with me. Um, that's the type of thing that stuck in my head, right? Like that's the type of thing that stuck in my mind. Um, and you know, when I came into recovery, I had to be taught a lot of things. I had to be taught how to pay bills. (laughs) I had to be taught that, uh, warrants don't just go away.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, <exactly. laughs>
1: I, like, like I actually had in my head that, like, eventually, you know, because court clerks come and go. Sure. you know, surely they're going to lose my file. You're like you're, you're, like, like, you're
0: like, you're telling me I actually have to take care of these things? <laughs> what the fuck?
1: <laughs> so, I actually, the, p- true story, I I went to jail with thirty days clean, which is terrible, terrible mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, usually I go to jail and I'm like loaded. I could sleep for a week. And then it's like, you know, reality sets them. But I had a month clean and they convinced me to go and get this warrant taken care of. And and I did. And uh, it sucked. I do not recommend that. At all. If you're going to go to jail, be fucked up. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it was all these little life lessons that like no matter how many probation officers and judges and counselors and pastors and parents, nobody could get through to me. But these other addicts could. Right. And, um, that's, that's how I got into recovery, you know, little by little being taught how to live because of somebody else who'd been there. Sure. Um, and you, you know, exactly what, cause you and I kind of talked about this too, is that like, you know, you could tell when somebody is talking to you from a place of experience and you can also tell when somebody's talking to you from a place of something they learned in college, sure. you know, and yeah, that, one, that, of
0: that, the, one of the, the most motivational, um, Prolific things anybody ever told me I have a buddy named Ronnie Unfortunately he got back on the horse After like 12 years clean or something And is like living under a bridge again But he was He had spent time living in a park In a tree Smoking meth every day and doing all this crazy stuff, and he had been stabbed and shot and all this stuff. And then he had got clean, put together his own business, was uh, delivering uh, uh, furniture. He started his own furniture delivery company and was doing really well. And uh, I, when I first got out of the military, I was doing bad, you know. And I went work for him on the weekends, and he'd tell me every day, "He's all, he's all, brother. Someday you're gonna wake up, and everything's gonna taste different. It's gonna look different. It's gonna smell different. Everything is gonna be different, and all of your priorities are gonna be different." trust me start thinking about that now and that was like the one of the most prolific things in my you know in my dark days where i was having issues drug issues and drinking issues and and mental health issues that was one of the one of the the biggest things that stuck with me and this was you know this was uh shit uh 15 16 years ago and it still to this day sticks with me and i'm like hey man you know like that's i'm that's where i'm at now you know what i mean everything's different but but yeah i just wanted i i wanted to say that part because it's it's true it's it's the people who have lived these experiences that are going to get through to you the most for sure
1: and and it's like that's a beautiful thing you know what i mean like what you just described is like that to to quote some literature it says that the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel it's some slick shit but it's true um that's awesome i love what what your buddy told you because it's it's 100 true i i remember like waking up and like food tasting different. I remember like hearing birds sing for the first time in forever, whereas like used to, it was like, Oh shit, the sun's up again. This is annoying. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you already know what that's about. And so, um, having that kind of like radical paradigm shift in your awareness, just that, that alone is at first really great. And then it, it almost becomes overwhelming. And and when it was overwhelming for me is when these people, um, really started to stand out to me as being examples rather than just voices in my life. Right. Like I heard the slick things they told me like that, you know, like your perspective's going to change. Um, I'll remember a guy, I went to a meeting and like, I'm a newcomer. So I have the big three newcomers problems. Um, I don't have any cigarettes. I don't have a cell phone and I didn't have a girlfriend, True. you know, like the, that, that's just all I cared about. And he was like, you know what, just shut up grab your shit and get in my truck. And, uh, I, I did. And he let me stay with them for like a week. And one of the things he told me, uh, we, he had this like hunting ranch and he like put me to work out there, bought me cigarettes and stuff. It was, it was awesome. Uh, but one of the things he told me is like, you're going to be all right. And dude, I've been lied to a lot, Josh. Like I'm, you know what that's like out there. We, we, we say shit. We don't mean, Oh, you're my brother and all this and that. But when this person told me I was going to be all right and like I couldn't tell what kind of angle he was coming from. He was just helping me to help me. Like, I don't know. I believed him, man. And so it's like, finally, I found this group of people who could get through to me, who could wake this addict up. And um, so that's kind of like how I shifted into recovery. And, and, and you know, from there, I, I I went from being homeless, living in a tent behind Walmart to I'm, I'm sitting in a house right now that I bought myself, like no co or anything like that. And you're getting to buy I, another house. Correct. I'm under contract on a second house. Like, that's huge. Like people like me, like once upon a time, I thought junkies like me didn't get clean. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't think that we had a shot. I thought the best that I could ever possibly do was a studio apartment on the south side of town. And like, I don't know, man, it's these people took the time out of their day to teach this washed up junkie how to live. Truly live when I've never been taught that before and I'll I'll forever be grateful. Um so you know there's a lot of fluffy shit that comes along with that. I won't yeah. bog us down with that, but that's kind of like my journey into recovery. Now on the political s- spectrum, I was so high for so long I never gave a shit about
0: politics I just yeah, didn't you, care. You don't care about politics when you're in that state <laughs> <No>. at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: who are you voting for? The fuck? Who? Give me a quarter. Who's I running? Don't even, I don't even <laughs> Yeah, I'll vote wherever you want. You got a dollar? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, give me five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. But, um, it, it, the and truth be told, like when I actually started caring about politics, here I had these felonies. I couldn't even vote. So I'm noticing, holy shit, I'm getting taxed on my paychecks, and I don't even have a voice in like how these taxes get spent. Not that a vote in a ballot box would have mattered a whole lot anyway around here, but it's still, it was like that. I don't know, man. It's that thing, right? it, it, it Developed some animosity in that regard. Um, I contacted the, in Canadian County, Oklahoma, the local GOP affiliate made national headlines because they were talking about abolishing the property tax and getting rid of public schools. And I was like, I could dig this, right? <laughs> like, I'm in like, count me in. How can I help? I actually contacted them. And they said, oh, well, you know, just show us your voter registration card to prove you're a Republican. And I'm like, well, I, I can't. I'm a felon. And they're like, well, we can't help you. You know, we we can't. We have no use for you because you can't do that one thing. And I'm like, motherfucker, this is a red state. Like, I'm a felon still because of you. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I'm here trying to help. And uh, I don't know, man. It was just one of those things was another group of people telling me that I didn't measure up. Right. Like I I didn't belong. I didn't fit in. And, um, it was maybe a month after that somehow, I don't even remember how I stumbled uh, across them, but I did stumble across the Oklahoma libertarian party. And not only did they welcome me with open arms when I told them, like I was interested in being involved, but they actually have language already existed in their bylaws for a specific person just like me who had showed up, had a felony conviction and couldn't, you know, change their registration for whatever reason. And they do, they, they were all there to help me out, you know? Um, and that's kind of like when I was like, okay, this libertarian thing is pretty great. Um, I I do have to give a couple of shout outs, you know, the OKLP was absolutely instrumental, but also, uh, Liberty weekly podcast and free man beyond the wall. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know what I'm talking about, oh, like,
1: yeah. oh, dude,
0: I've had dude. Pete, I had Pete on the show. He was like my uh, he was my second interview I did on the show, man. Dude, Pete introduced
1: like just listening to podcasts. Like, never even really reaching out to him I initially. Just uh, learned about like Lou Rockwell, uh, the left, the right and the state. Holy shit, that book! Wow, you know what I mean? Like the, that's that was my very beginning understanding of what libertarian philosophy consisted of, and so. And between the political affiliate and then also the other, like I kind of landed where I am today.
0: Sure. And well, it's, it's it's funny because for uh, for a bunch of people that don't think anybody should have the right to vote, you know what I mean, we definitely think that felons should be able to vote. You know, <laughs> so so it's it's kind of one of those weird paradoxical, paradoxical things, right? Where it's like it's like okay, man, you've served your time. You you, you basically had a, a probably the majority of your crimes were victimless. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And, Uh, and and uh and nonviolent, and you served your time you've made your created your debt to society or whatever it is and you should have those those rights restored and we believe that as 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 libertarians but we also uh in the same hand believe that nobody should have the right to vote on what we do with our lives so um i it's kind of it's a paradoxical thing but it's also a beautiful thing
1: yes it is (laughs) i'm i'm I'm, some days i'm i'm the more anarchist camp other days i'm and the more minarchist camp, it just depends on how I'm feeling today. I'm feeling pretty anarchist. So, um, whatever. But the thing, uh, the thing about it is, it's like, I, I'll out myself. Like my, my crimes were nonviolent. I went to a pharmacy with a forged prescription and I handed the cashier money fiat currency. I, I did not try to steal anything. Didn't steal a doctor's notepad, nothing like that. I was just trying to pass a script that didn't, you know, come from the crown. Um, and that's, you know, something that can, in this state, keep you from voting. I still can't even, I can't even be in the same vehicle as a firearm. That's part of like our state, state laws. And you've never I anything been
0: violent. No, that's, no, that's
1: no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean like shit. it's, it's insane to me, you know, um, eight and a half years. I've been outside of a jail cell. I have paid, I, when I came into recovery, Like when I got clean, got clean, like I owed eight different counties money. I've paid them all. I've paid all my fines, all my fees. And I've been outside of a jail cell for eight and a half years. And, uh, still I'm currently undergoing, uh, here in Oklahoma, we have a pardon process where you can fill out an application and they go before a board of people who really half of them don't want you to have a gun. The other half think that, you know, whatever they think and who knows what they're going to determine. And if they if I pass their litmus test then it will go before the governor and he will be the ultimate say. So, I don't know, we'll see. But yeah,
0: that's kind of
1: Yeah, I know I'm all over the place, man. No, this um, is great.
0: This is a great interview, man. You're doing great.
1: Yeah, so that's that's how I wound up in in the political spot that I'm in. That's what I'm currently going through now. Um and like I said, so like I listened to Pete I listened to uh, Liberty Weekly, ran across you, ran across a lot of other people, but I didn't see anybody in the movement really talking about ending the drug war with the idea of how 12-step recovery has been the biggest shining poster child example of a free market solution to drug addiction. It just didn't seem like there's a lot of people talking about that. Um, Matter of fact, when I, when I first started the clean libertarian project, it was because I was in some message board on Facebook or, you know, one of those groups and somebody said, well, what do we do with the drug addicts? What will happen to the drug addicts after, you know, we end the war on drugs. And a lot of people were like replying, Oh, Darwinism. And I was like, man, that's fucking cold. You know, like that's your idea. That's your idea of a libertarian utopia is just dead addicts lighting the fucking street. Like it doesn't have to be this way. So um, I had it in my head. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start getting loud about this. And so here I am <laughs> getting loud about recovery.
0: Nice. Well, and you got a great podcast, man. I, I really think you're, you're building a great platform. I hope more people will go listen to you, especially, especially, I know, I know some of my friends in the movement who have battled through the same things, you know what I mean? And those, those people should be listening to your podcast, good podcast, great guests. Um, but anyways, so we, we talked earlier about, uh, you know this this whole mess, this 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 lockdown mess, and the effect that it's had on recovery, um, the twelve step programs, uh, especially, and um, uh, drug induced overdose deaths. I mean, yes. have risen incredibly, and it's something nobody's talking about. So, won't you won't you just rant about that for a minute, man? Because I know you oh, got yeah, not... I know you got some feelings about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I'm going to go off here. Uh, so let, us just start with the overdoses. So, um, up to June, 2020 overdoses were 81,000 plus. Okay. That's a 34% increase from the year prior to, and it's a national record. Um, I talked about my story. I talked about going to a meeting and people talking to me. I talked about people taking me out to lunch. That isn't allowed to happen anymore when these lockdowns and mandates came through, what they said was, you know, you had to be socially distant. You had to do this. You had to do that. Well, a lot of these meeting halls close their doors. And <clears throat> so for those of you not in the know on 12 step recovery, like there's a part of their traditions is that they are fully self supporting through their own contributions, which means that they have to have donations in order to keep their doors open. When you don't have a meeting, what happens? I mean, the doors obviously close. I mean, okay. It's just how it goes. So now, granted, a lot of these meetings started going to Zoom. But I'm telling you right now, Josh, if when I came into recovery, you handed me a Zoom link and I (laughs) didn't have a fucking phone. Like, (laughs) what am I going to do with this shit? (laughs) The fuck are you talking about? Like, you don't know. It's not going to happen, man. Um, On top of that, so when I went to uh, when I went to facilities, like I would go to detox facilities and, you know, I talked about cleaning up. One of the things that they would do is that these groups would come in from the outside. So a 12 step meeting would come inside and say, hey, look, you know, this is who I am. This is where I've been. And they talk to you and you get this sort of identification going. You start to understand what's going on as far as like how this recovery thing works. And that was so instrumental for me. That's how I developed this idea in the sense that, you know what, these people are talking to me like we talked about from a place of experience, not just some bullshit that's no longer allowed to happen because of the COVID scare H they call them H and I, which is hospitals and institutions meetings. Those are not occurring anymore. Um, the local rehab here in a red state that never locked down still will not allow family therapy sessions to occur for the inpatient clients. We, we see all of this, right? And so it's easy to dismiss the newcomer. It's easy to dismiss that addict. Oh, they made a choice to go get fucked up or whatever. But one of the things about this recovery thing and why it continues to work is because It's not just for the new guy, it's also for that cat who's been around for decades. You know, them talking to the new people helps them get through another day clean. But when you take away that vital resource for them, you throw them back out into the real world. All of a sudden we have opiates laced with fentanyl now. All of a sudden you have a completely and totally different drug landscape. Is it any wonder why we're up 34% on our overdose rates? And you cannot Tell me that that's not murder.
0: Right.
1: That's murder, man. Plain and simple. Um, it's fucked up yeah. and it doesn't seem like it's going to be stopping anytime soon. Like I said, that, that that those rates are only up until June of last year. So there's no telling what
0: it's going to be at the end of this year. True. You know, Uh so, so we got the live chat going too. By the way, we got super chats up, guys. Throw those super chats in if you want. If you want to help out the show. Uh, but um, Trey said uh, uh, twelve step program. He, he's surprised that twelve step programs aren't funded by the state in any way. Which I I knew that. That but it, it's not something that I always knew. And they are mm-hmm. they're funded like uh like like a church. I mean like a small church basically. That's how it's funded is uh, through through your your tithes, man. I mean it's from your your own donations to the program and um a lot of the older guys that are in the program uh, older guys and ladies that are in the program they're the ones doing the donating cuz it's not the new, it's not the new guys for the most part check, check this out so
1: so a local <laughs> local 12 step meeting so i i did the na thing and i i could bust my anonymity like that i am not a representative of narcotics anonymous i am just me i'm talking in my own personal capacity but our, our local na meeting they they opened up their doors and they we would do events like you'd do a fundraising events. You'd have a dance and you get all the fucking junkies together. We're all dancing, you know, drinking that Christian crack, you know, that espresso coffee, and just you know having a good time. And we didn't raise enough money for rent, so it's like fuck it, we're having another dance. So it's like we had four or five dances in a month just to pay the bills. But like that's how we did it, man. I mean, that's we could, the reason why it was so important that we paid our own bills is because we did not want it to ever be a question about who was directing us because it was, we were directing us. This is a program that we have found that works for us. Um, you know, uh, my local home group, we started in a church and the church begged us to give us the room that they let us have the meeting in for free. And we have to decline that. We give them a portion of what we you know, collect every month, even though we could get it for free only because we don't want to ever make it appear like we're in anybody's pockets. We are not endorsed by any, any body or anything besides ourselves. And so, um, I think we're, for a lot of people where the line gets a little bit muddy is that they see judges, you know, mandating that, oh, you have to go to meetings. But that, that does something that, I mean, we can't just say, no, you can't come because, I mean, come on, man, if you're an addict and you want recovery, who am I to say that you can't show up? But the 12-step meetings are not in cahoots with the, uh, with the court system, criminal justice system at all, you know?
0: Yeah. Um. And and for the most part, yeah. if you show up to one, I mean, they're they're going to let you be as anonymous as you want, <laughs> which is kind cool too. You know,
1: you ain't got to say a word. Yeah,
0: you
1: uh, can be whoever you want to be.
0: Some something that I know, uh, for me, um, you know, we talked about this on your show. I wasn't a big twelve stepper. That wasn't that mm-hmm. wasn't my path to cleaning up my act, right? Um, but I, I did go to. I've been to lots of meetings, um, uh, and and uh, it, i wasn't driven away by the kind of religious undertones and and aspects but i know that for some people that can be scary if they're not a religious person um i've become yeah. more religious over the last several years than i i have been in a long time and so at, at that point especially i wasn't like i wasn't this big religious person you know i wasn't i wasn't really thinking about the bible when i was getting high man I-
1: down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, um, Cady's rising. Who's Laz, uh from Twitter. Good, good dude. Um, asked, uh, can you discuss at all 12 step reliance on religious and uh, religion of faith as an atheist? It's always been a little dubious. He's always been a little dubious about that aspect, but he does know lots of people, um, get help from the programs. But, uh, you like for, for my own peace of mind, when I went to meetings and I've gone to meetings with other people who were getting clean when I was already, you know, clean and sober and stuff. Um, uh, the religion's not forced on you there. No. At all. Not even not, one No. So.
1: Now, the, the, here's what turns a lot of people off is like in the 12 steps, it does mention God, but it says God as you understand him. So here's my little loophole for that, right? For me, God was the group, that higher power, that, 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 that thing that was greater than I was in that moment was this group of junkies who talked about doing the same shit that I did. I remember sitting down and hearing a, hearing this guy across the table, talk about stealing somebody's dope and helping them try to find it. And I'm like, fuck, I've done that. (laughs) Like you get me, you know, like you get me on a very real level, but they also, that, that they talk about hope. They talk about, you know, finding freedom from that. And, and to me in that moment, like that's all I needed to rely on. Um, at no point in time is any particular religion, theology, dogma, anything going to be pressed on you. It's completely and entirely up to you. Um, and there's a very sizable number of true-to-blood atheists that are, you know,
0: flourishing in the 12-step community. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's like God grant me the serenity, but you know, God can be whatever you want it to be. I mean, really, hundred totally. percent. Um. Uh, let's see, I thought I saw something else Oh, Trey, thank you for the super chat, Trey uh, Loving the content lately, great conversation I appreciate it Oh, uh, this was a good one, Trey, Trey said So uh, if judges push it for someone Then they can just go wherever they want Or don't, maybe will uh, Actually, uh, the way that works The way I've seen it work before and Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Drew um, The judge will court order uh, meetings And you get a, a signing a sign sheet And you can go to whatever meeting you want you know, in or, or AA, um, and there's a, some other private meetings too, that aren't just strictly in a, in a, as far as I've seen, but, um, and then you just have to get a signature at every meeting. And then that goes back, yeah. to, go, goes back to court with you. So yeah, I mean, they could, they can mandate it, but they don't control where you go or what, what program you're in or any of that stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, you basically, you
1: get the chairperson to sign their name and uh, a lot of chairs will put their numbers. Some don't there. There's actually some meetings, uh, in our local area that, do not sign papers just because they really don't like that push, you know that the court systems do. It's just one of those things. But yeah, it's typically up to the person, unless it's mandated otherwise. It's up to the uh, up to the individual in question on where they want to go.
0: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're, I mean, you're real big on on pushing back against the drug war, man. Right.
1: Uh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, I mean, as far as as far as recovery goes, I'm I'm of the firm belief that. That the drug war has hindered recovery way more than it's ever helped recovery in this country, um, you know. And we can look to places like was it Portugal that uh, that uh, basically decrimmed all their drugs and then set up a drug court that if you got yeah. caught with drugs you would go to drug court, you get a summons and go to drug court, and they'd offer you help. And if you didn't want help, they let you go. <laughs> right? And uh, pretty much. And we saw we saw these. Was it was it is it Portugal? I think it's Portugal. God, yeah. I hope I'm not messing yeah, it up. Yeah, it's Portugal. Um, and so, so we saw drug uh, uh, overdoses and deaths drop tremendously in yep. there because the and pro- property
1: crime too. Oh, by and, the way,
0: yeah, and property crime and, and there was a, I mean, drug use in general dropped pretty heavily too. But it's it's the the state is going to arrest you and put you in a violent rape cage if they catch yep. you if they catch you with drugs that they've deemed bad. So why in the hell would you go and ask for help when you think that you might end up in one of these places? Oh yeah, it's
1: it's a um, it. it, What do they call that? Defeating it's self defeating. You know to take that that approach. But here's the thing: it's a bureaucratic, state-sponsored solution all they have is a hammer. Everything's a fucking nail. All they know is force. They have a monopoly on violence. And so that's the only tool that they can utilize. Here's the thing. So when judges and courts are mandating people attend these 12 step meetings, they're openly admitting we don't have a solution. They're openly saying like, we don't know how to fix this, but we've heard this other group does. And they're trying, they'll, they'll paint it like, you know, it's like Dave Smith says, like, it's the mafia, you know, masquerading as a human rights organization. And, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to play like they're the good guy, but really they're just skimming off the top because drug court is like one of the biggest things that's mandated across the country right now. A lot of, a lot of places utilize it and what it is, it's very intensive, uh, supervised probation where, Every week you'll, you know, have to call this hotline number and you'll go in and take a piss test two to three times a week. Well, every time you do that, you're paying 20 to 30 bucks out of pocket. You're going to go to individual and group counseling. You're going to pay out of pocket for that as well. At every single turn, this addict is getting knocked over the head and the one place that they're finding recovery, the 12 step fellowship, they're not being asked to pay a dime. Think about it. You know what I mean? Like that's, when you go to, when you go to a meeting and you sit down and you're talking to somebody else, you're doing so because they're there for their own benefit as well as yours. But when you go to a counselor's office and, and I'm not knocking counselors or therapists or anything like that, that they have a place and they're wonderful, but they're absolutely there for a paycheck. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so was that fucking judge. So is that probation officer. So, um, I think the most devious thing that the state has done in recent memory is to really ramp up the amount of people that they're putting in drug court. I Here's a little story. I'll talk about a couple of my friends, um, had a run out of the law. They got caught with some pounds, you know, I mean, weight, And they were told if you go to drug court and you graduate, we will take this Massive felony conviction off your record and it'll be gone. And so they went, they were star pupils or whatever you want to call them, uh, graduated drug court and within a month, one of them's dead and the other one's in prison. So drug court isn't even teaching people how to live a better life. They're just teaching people how not to get caught for a you know particular time frame. Um, you cannot force with violence, a spiritual awakening or, or the change that needs to occur in order to find a better way to live. Like in your story and and in mine, we had to find our own respective bottom, you know, that spot. that was like, this fucking sucks. Um, you can't force that. Right. So
0: no, and I agree. And, 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 you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think a lot of people understand like, like the, the, the NANA, I mean, or, or the 12 step fellowship. I mean, it's, it really is the free market solution to, hundred <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and yeah. I don't think I've ever really thought about it that way until I'm talking, I'm talking about it with you. I mean, it 100% is the, the, the free market solution. It is, it's a
1: nobody's getting paid. Like no, nobody, that the person sharing the meeting is volunteering. Everybody there. I mean, if you're court ordered you go, you're court ordered, but. That meeting is getting opened up by people who were just there because that's what helps them. Nobody is there to do anything but, but help the next addict who comes crawling through the door. I mean, it is the pinnacle free market solution. It is organic recovery at its finest. Um, so Alcoholics Anonymous started up Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob. Those are the two names that... Back then they had, they would throw alcoholics in insane asylums. Like you had nowhere to go. Um, and these guys latched on to like old school Christianity traditions and kind of formulated a program based out of that. And it worked. It started working wonders. Well, then along came addicts. And when addicts were really starting to to gain some uh, notoriety, was back in like the forties and the fifties back when they had the Rockefeller laws. Um, what a Rockefeller law was, is that like no more than one addict can occupy a space at a given time. So it effectively made it to where addicts couldn't even go to meetings together. Like narcotics anonymous is some hardcore shit. Like they, they are underground anti state, you know, that's how they started, man. It was a underground meeting, but these meetings started because like the rest of the world said you got no luck. You got no hope. There's, there is no tomorrow for you. And they said, bullshit. No, there is. And they support themselves and they've made it happen, man, for a great many years now. And I know I talk a lot about 12 step meetings and I'm not trying to say that that's the only way into recovery. It's just, it's just the way that worked for me. Right. And it's the way that worked for a lot of people. Um, but on my podcast, like that's one of the coolest things that I've been able to do is interview people who, like yourself, uh, many others who have found recovery throughout their own means. And I, I don't know, I love ha- highlighting that. You know, I think that's a beautiful thing, man.
0: Yeah, for, for me, it was definitely one of those. One of those. Uh, is this the way I want to keep living, or you know what I mean? Like, hey, dude, yep. you know, maybe it's time to change some things. And <laughs> yeah. um, and it's it was helpful uh, for me, but not everybody has that that luxury i mean it was truly was a luxury for me um you know i not everyone can do that and uh you know i still have my own struggles i want to quit smoking cigarettes man you know it's been 20 like 25 years i've been smoking these damn things and it's yeah. it's uh it's one of the hardest things to quit i it's the hardest thing i've ever done is trying to quit smoking cigarettes you know what i mean you
1: see my double chin dude i've been smoking a cigar over here i eat pizza like a fucking maniac you know like <laughs> I mean, I don't do dope, but I mean, God, I got my other vices too. It's it's hard. It's
0: it's hard once you get into that that addictive mentality, man. You're always looking for something to be obsessive about. I've never been thrown in jail
1: over a cigar, so I think I'm okay. Yeah, you know, I, you know, so here there we go with that. Yeah, but. you
0: never. Well, you also you've also probably never had to go live uh, under a bridge or in a tree or anything because you had a cigar either. Which is which is the really important distinction, I think. A lot of people, you know, they well, that's a drug and this is a drug. Yeah, but this drug never made me, you know, sleep in a, a, a abandoned home or you know what I mean. And so yeah, um, yeah, it's it's kind of there is a distinction there for sure. Caffeine caffeine never made me uh, want to, you know. Rob somebody for whatever you know. It's so it's uh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, man. So what do you, what do you think we should do going forward as far as the as the drug war, dude? What do you what, what do you think is the best look? Look, not everybody's been an addict. Not everybody's been through this this issue, right? Right. What what can people do? I mean, what can they do to start thinking about how the drug war? And I want to talk a little bit uh, before I, before we move on. Uh, I had Michael Bolden on my show last night, who's amazing. He's uh, th- got to be the number one nullification guy in the country. Nobody is smarter than him when it comes to dropping all kinds of founder quotes and uh, knowing all about the Constitution and legislation across the country. And um, he actually made me understand something that I have never understood before. That. Um, the 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 war on drugs is also uh the war on the second amendment because the atf can use drug or or they can they can bust you for drugs and then get you on federal gun charges uh if you have a gun on you um so it really the drug war is feeding the atf um which is not just about alcohol tobacco and firearms when they're busting people for all, all kinds of other drugs right um and so um you know, how do we push back on a system that's feeding itself purposely to criminalize people?
1: I think I think right now, um so I'm gonna give a twofold answer if I can remember. I like I said, I worked a 15-hour shift. Sure, you know, I I'm worked, hanging hey, on. I, I was like oh,
0: 13 hours out of the house today, too, man. We it's that big Son boy stuff, man. It's hard.
1: So right now, libertarians have a prime opportunity. So so like I just talked about, like the 12-step. And just recovery as a whole way of life has been upended completely, turned upside down. Right now, you have less governors and and whatnot instituting these changes, but more healthcare administrators. Which, anyway. Um, <laughs> So libertarians fucking administrators, man. Um, But libertarians have a prime opportunity right now to really reach out to some of these people who are feeling frustrated about their way of life being taken away from them. Um, What we need is to open open their eyes up. You know, one weird phenomenon I've caught in the rooms of um, AA and NA and all that is that some of these people who come in and they've been to prison, you know, they've gotten clean for some reason, still think that other people need to go through that. But it's only because I think that that's the only thing they knew. But every single person that I've been, because I can't talk about, I can't have the conversation I'm having with you right now in a meeting. Like it's not, that's not the time or place for it. But when I get to sit down one-on-one and explain to them like, The drug war didn't work, you get that, right? And they're like, No, I don't get that. I'm like, well, you're here, right? And they're like, Well, yeah. And then you kind of just delve into that, get into the details of like, you went to jail (laughs) again and again and again. It didn't fucking work. What worked for you was these meetings. And like, what worked for you was your bottom, not a jail cell, you know, shit like that. And it sucks. Because there's really not a way to just like wave a magic wand and red pill everybody all at once. But I think if we engage in more with more of these people, we can really start to see them like opening their eyes up to like how the government is absolutely getting involved and what's been working for them. And then we can have the broader uh, discussion about ending the war on drugs as a whole. Um, one of the things that's really hitting close to home for a lot of people in the recovery community right now is the overdose rates and how fentanyl is becoming more and more prevalent within these drugs that, you know, they see newcomers relapsing and dying off of. Um, that's not, that's not an old thing that hadn't been around for a while. Like fentanyl's relatively new, at least in the, in the numbers that we're seeing right now on the street. Um, that can be attributed to the fact that people cannot go make a, a purchase like they could at CVS or Walgreens. Like you explained to people, like you don't have to worry about your aspirin aspirin being laced with the, you know, world's strongest opiate. Like you're buying aspirin. That's what you're going to get. You know, people need to have that same confidence whenever they purchase their drugs. Even if they're not getting clean today, it will give them the opportunity to get clean tomorrow. You know, um, And and that's kind of the direction we take from it. Um,
0: yeah, there's only, there's only only one person who can't get clean and that's a person that doesn't have a tomorrow. That's
1: correct. That's correct, man. There was a guy, he came through, uh, Norman is where, you know, OU is, you know, the big university. I'm not a sports guy. I don't know if you are, but, um, sports team you know football shit anyway so the guy came through norman and and here in oklahoma we have black tar heroin like that is the product that's available you don't see white china you don't see any of that other stuff like you see up up in the uh up in the north and he came through claiming he had white china and these college kids were buying it and they're overdosing and dying because it was fucking fentanyl with benadryl in a powder form and it's just like That guy never went to jail. That guy knowingly sold bullshit to people and it cost some people their lives. Having that conversation with people, I think, is the best way that we can open it up and at least start opening their eyes to like, this isn't fucking working. Um, But yeah, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent there, but the 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 most frustrating thing for me is to look at like how long how short lived the alcohol prohibition was and seeing how long this war on drugs has raged on and it's just i mean yeah we're talking about legalizing pot cool everybody's been smoking weed anyway that's not keeping addicts from fucking dying dude right. like i have a serious problem when we're not taking these solutions seriously enough and so um yeah I'm getting kind of sidetracked no, there. No,
0: sorry. I, no, it's it's true. I mean, this this drug war has been raging on since what the 70s. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, hardcore. Uh, and we've thrown trillions, trillions of dollars at the drug war now. Yeah. Like what? Over 1.5 to 2.5 trillion, or some stupid shit. Yeah, like yeah. That. Uh, yeah. It's it's a lot of money, and the drugs are winning.
1: Yeah,
0: yes, they are. I mean, um I'd like to congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs. I mean, that's literally what's happening in this country and it's going to continue to happen and we're just going to continue to throw more money at it as we militarize police around the country for drug crimes. you know what I mean yeah. like, like the, what the, uh, what did I looked at the figures earlier today It was like something like some like seventy percent of arrestable crimes in in most cities and counties are drug related defenses.
1: Yeah, that I think I pulled up that same chart uh, last week. I think that's the number I saw too, yeah. sixty-five or seventy. One of those. Yeah, it's
0: it's like close to seventy percent, and we're militar- militarizing the police. You know what I yeah. mean? We're we're giving them MRAPs and all this shit, and 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 you know, it's it's just blows my mind because those are those are the people that they look to as terrorists. You know what I mean? Those local, yeah. the local counties look to, to look to the ten speed tweaker riding down the street, go trying to find another bag <laughs> as the as the terrorist. That's who they think yeah. that's who they think they're going to war with. And the majority, you know, the majority of the time when there's an officer involved, shooting or something like that, it's with a violent person. It's
1: yeah. Not, not with, I, I think Good, uh, my, my bad. Uh, but I think one of the things that we also need to be wary of because it's not just the, the police department that thinks that there's also a sizable chunk of every municipality population that views that 10 speed tweaker as being something that they're not. And so it's going to be a hard sell getting people to sign on for decriminalization, much less legalization of these narcotics. I think that the worst possible thing that we can do is to decriminalize and force the guy across the town. Who's never even smoked a joint to pay for the rehab for the 10 speech weaker. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, and, and unfortunately that does seem to be the trade off, right? Like, As soon as these dig crim laws come down the pike, like you see in Portugal, well, yeah, you know, they're putting these people in rehabs and and hospitals and things like that. And and Maybe that's good. Maybe it's bad. I I, I don't know. But I do know that forcing somebody to pay for something that they feel to their core to be something that is wrong, that's not the way to win hearts and minds, you know? Um, And, and. That's just a point that I wanted to touch on real briefly, because I, I do see us getting stuck in the, uh, getting in the weeds with that type of legislation. It's just like I don't know why that's the go to for so many people,
0: because
1: hmm. um, at the end of the day, whether you're putting somebody in a hospital cot or in a concrete bunk, like it's still a fucking jail cell, man. <laughs> I don't care if you got a doctor coming in there and checking on them or a CO. It's still confining somebody and taking their freedoms from them. Hmm. Um, they need to want that type of recovery
0: oh and i agree I don't totally. nobody nobody's gonna get clean until they want to get clean that's how that's no how, that's how that's how addiction works let me tell you yeah everyone knows that um even even the people who are addicted saying i want to get clean that don't want to get clean know that i mean they don't they, yeah. know they don't want to <laughs> get clean they just they just keep saying it because they think that's what everybody wants to hear you know right i want right. to get clean i want to get clean but i'll be back in a couple hours i'll see you later you know and right um Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just been, it's been this giant waste and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of really good libertarian solutions and I I'm really excited to, to talk more, more in depth about how really the 12 step program is, is, is the libertarian solution. I, you know, I, that I never really thought about that before. I I knew that they were, you know, self-funded and stuff. So that's, that will be a cool talking point going forward, but we do need to address the, the, the prison population and how, you know, as, as Dave Smith says, the, 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 The prisons are flooded with nonviolent offenders who have gotten busted with some drugs. And, you know, some of these people is the first time they ever had drugs and they're sitting in jail, you know, and it's like, come on, man, seriously, like that's not a way. Now you've put them in this this brutal place, right? And, and, and you've exposed them to absolute brutality because that's what prisons are, you know, from the, from the warden to the guards, to the, to, to the, the inmates. I mean, it is pure brutality uh, 100% of the day you're worried about your life in, in most prisons and we're putting people who are not violent people into these places at at a, a massive massive amounts and um, you know the war on drugs has hurt the nuclear family in this country especially in the black communities and that's something that nobody really wants to talk about they don't want to they don't want to talk about how racist the drug war is you know it's yeah um, it's really it's taken head of households out of out of uh, black community families for generations because they police their harder they police those mm-hmm. those inner city places harder and especially when it comes to drugs and we've seen the the disparities when it comes to to uh, uh convictions and and um sentencing right guys the the guy in walnut creek california where i where where the the rich people live gets busted with a eight ball of cocaine and he gets slapped on the wrist and goes home and does some probation time the guy with the same eight ball in oakland of crack is going to prison right and yeah. so um, yeah you know, the drugs well, what's
1: worse than that is, is somebody who had gotten in trouble and, and maybe they were 17 and got charged as an adult. Who knows, burglary, whatever the case may be, they, they stay clean and, and stay out of trouble for the next five years. Well, then they get pulled over and, and a baggy scrape can send them back to prison for the next 20 years. Okay. Everything they know gone for something that not even a, a nominal amount to get intoxicated on. And I mean, I know you've seen that. I see it. You know, it's it's. That's insane. And how is that not double jeopardy? How is it not charging somebody for the same crime? You know, it, we have the page two here in Oklahoma as well. If you go to, if you go to court, like if I went, if I fucked up today, the first thing the DA is going to do is throw that rap sheet in front of the judge and be like, see, this is what he'd been up to. And it's like, man, I, I paid for that. I did my time. I paid my fees, but yet that will absolutely be leveraged against me in the court of law in a heartbeat. It's insane. Yeah. How, how long have you been
0: uh, clean now, Drew? Uh,
1: I've been clean now for a little over a year. I've been in recovery for about 10 years. Sure. So, <laughs> you know, shit happens, man. I, yeah. I fucked up.
0: It, do, it <laughs> does know? happen, man. It does happen. But it does happen. But, but you're doing good, and that's the important thing, brother. You're going, yeah, you're going to buy your second house right now. Yeah, you know. I
1: am. It, it, you know, I had a uh, when, when I went out this last time, I, I had seven and a half years clean. And when I slipped, I took it really hard. Um, I took it real hard. It was really hard to come back. But I had a buddy who was like, man, it's just one big try. And that's that thing like we talked about, you know, those little quick one liners of experience. Like that's that one thing that got through to me. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. It is one big try.
0: So yeah. here I am. It is. It never ends, right? I mean, it's really. No. It's a lifetime commitment. And uh, it, pretty much. Lifetime commitments are hard. Sometimes you fuck up, man. Yeah. 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 yeah just a bit. Just a bit. Well, shit, man. Uh, that's pretty much all the questions I have for you, brother. Are you, uh, are you uh, findable online, man? Where, where can all these people, f- these great people, all 18 of them find you? Um,
1: yeah. You can find me at clean underscore podcast. Or at Liberty Drew eighty uh, four. One other thing I wanted to plug real quick is the LP Sober Caucus. Oh shit! That's um, why
0: I totally wanted to bring that up. The show's <laughs> not over yet, okay? <laughs> the show's uh, not over. Yet. Drew started the the LP Sober Caucus, so that's kind of cool. There's a lot of caucuses in the Libertarian Party. If you're not familiar with what caucuses are, typically they're aimed at certain. Uh, aspects of policy, or they want to see the party kind of change in some way uh, more aligned uh, aligned with their caucus. Uh, but Drew started the Libertarian Party so, uh, Sober Caucus. Not socialist. I almost said that, but sober caucus. Yeah, sober. no, no. Totally yeah. not socialist. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but, What's that uh, about? So
1: here's the idea is that how many times a week do we see on Twitter alone that we are Republicans who smoke weed? How many times do we have to hear some tired, worn out stereotype about how we are just like undercover hedonists? Um, My idea and the the reason I formulated this caucus is because there is a – I've met them doing my podcast interviews and I know there's many more that we haven't found yet. There are people in the liberty movement who don't wish to ever partake in any mood-changing or mind-altering substance that still believe that ending the war on drugs is the best pathway forward you know, um, that's some additional nuance that I think can be very vital. Uh, it can be something that we can bring to the table and have some of those tough discussions with people who don't particularly see things the way that we do, especially in that regard. Um, so that's kind of the first thing is to have, have that conversation. But the second thing is when I first got involved with the LP and there were events and meetups happening, I was very hesitant to go, to places because I didn't know is there going to be a lot of drinking are people going to be getting loaded like
0: yes and yes not that
1: yes <laughs> yes. and, yes. and it, here's the thing it's like it it it's not that like I, I look down on that I don't at all like fuck I wish I could have a drink and be okay right. it was more I didn't want to be sticking out like a sore thumb I, I didn't want to have to you know hey you want to drink and then like me fill out a place so the LP sober caucus in my mind is, is a group of people who are in the libertarian party. Who, when we have our national convention or our state conventions, like, you know where your people are. And if you're kind of feeling like you just want to have a sober, good time, like that's where you'll go.
0: Drink some um, coffee and smoke some cigarettes, man. Christian crack, baby. <laughs> Christian crack. Absolutely. Know. Well, shit, man. I, I, once again, I just want to talk about how much I appreciate what you're doing. I think it's uh it's amazing. I'm glad you're clean and sober, dude, uh, and and you have a vision for for what you want to see in your liberty. But you're also bringing people with like-minded ideals to to, to our causes, and and uh, you know nobody's going to do it better than the people who've lived those experiences. You know, so right on. Uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. And one more time, tell everyone where they can find you
1: uh, at clean underscore podcast or at liberty ready For you can find me at the the clean libertarian podcast and all the podcatchers and on YouTube.
0: Listen to this man's podcast. It's really good. I, I mean, you know, it, it, listen, his his voice is not as silky smooth as mine. I get that. It but is It is not. It, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good voice, though. It's a good voice. Definitely, definitely check it out. Please subscribe to his podcast. He's amazing. Uh, Drew, once again, I appreciate you, brother. I will talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, buddy. All right.
0: All right, guys. Another episode in the books. I hope everyone enjoyed that. Drew is just one of the greatest dudes I know. I'm a big fan. Uh, like I said, please check out his podcast. Also, check out lorenzotti.coffee uh, for all your delicious Italian coffee needs. Deliver directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Please order coffee from these guys, they are amazing. Uh, if you've been following the story about me trying to get my kids to Disney World uh, because I think they need it very badly, um, and, and there's a lot of other stuff in that story. You can check out on my timeline on Twitter if you'd like to. Um, this man really went out of his way to, to help us uh, uh, on our journey there, so definitely check him out and get some coffee if you can. I would appreciate it. And, of course, TopLobsta.com. Stop by his Twitter at TopLobsta or Top underscore Lobsta.com. Uh, and say hi to him. He is a very nice guy, a wonderful friend to me. I'm very happy to have him as part of this show. But go to his website and order wonderful graphic design t shirts and hoodies and hats uh, like this great Ron Paul, it didn't have to be this way, hoodie that I'm wearing tonight. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Of course, anthemplanning.com for all your wonderful uh, uh, emergency crisis and planning needs. Uh, they are amazing please check out their website at anthemplanning.com and see what they can do for you. Uh, Let's see, what do we got coming up? I think, uh, yeah, Friday, I got my good friend Patrick Smith uh, from the Anarchist and um, uh, Disenthrall Media coming on. He's an amazing dude. He's probably one of the most pure uh, libertarian, anarcho-capitalists I've ever had the, uh, the 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 pleasure of talking with. I actually stayed with this man in, for ten days in Texas. Uh, his, his principles are like none other. Um, he also hosted a debate between me and Larkin Rose just recently. You could check that out on YouTube. It was about a two-hour debate. It was long, but it was good. I liked, I, I liked it. It was a fun time, uh, so check that out. And Of course, next week we're going to have Magnus Panvidia, uh, Isabella Riley, who's uh, from PragerU, and Monica Perez from the Pop- Propaganda Report. Those are all going to be very awesome shows. I'm looking forward to them. Um, Check out the Patreon, please. Patreon.com backslash break the cycle JS. You can also go to star backslash or uh, subscribestar.com backslash break the cycle JS if you hate. Uh, Patreon as much as others do Uh, They're less yeedy for uh, Wrong think so it's pretty cool stuff Uh, Follow me on all Your favorite podcast Apps you can listen to me in the car You don't always have to watch us on YouTube But I do appreciate you guys checking us out on YouTube Also I'm on Odyssey all of My videos automatically sync Over to Odyssey Uh, so you Guys if you have an Odyssey please start Hit me up over there Uh, Let's build a great community on Odyssey I think It's going to be a wonderful platform for Uh, all of us wrong thinkers who will eventually probably be decimated from YouTube. Um, so yeah, I will see you guys on Friday, but until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons I just have to explain The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain A violent call to action in the verse in the frame
1: But I just fanned it in Minecraft The helicopter part was in reference
0: to GTA V and the things you do So any violence you commit I am not an excuse Because I just fanned it in Minecraft What a chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just it in Minecraft Obviously, I would never advocate force Unless there's due process
1: and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft yeah, Nothing, I mean, you know it No
0: product dealerships we're close to COVID Holy shit, I think I'll throw it In Minecraft, in Minecraft